Hello and welcome to the NCETM podcast with me, Gwen Trezida from NCETM Communications. Recently, the NCETM's Director for Primary, Debbie Morgan, has been on the conference circuit once more. She's been talking about her developing thinking about differentiation in the primary school classroom. I invited her to be a guest on the podcast so that those teachers unable to hear her speak at a conference are nevertheless able to hear and consider her latest ideas and discuss them with colleagues. Debbie has past experience in primary education as a teacher, head teacher, maths advisor and university lecturer. At present, she works closely with hundreds of teachers as she leads the NCETM's Primary Teaching for Mastery programme. Development of the programme over the years has involved continuous refinement based on the feedback and partnership of classroom teachers and school maths leads. I began by asking Debbie to flesh out her current thinking on whole class teaching and differentiation within a Teaching for Mastery approach. If Teaching for Mastery is about whole class teaching, should there be any differentiation within that? I mean, I think it depends what we mean by uh, differentiation. So differentiation certainly you know, traditionally differentiation in primary classrooms, you know, prior to mastery had been identifying maybe three distinct groups of children in your class. And you might do some whole class teaching, but then the activities that followed up, um, they are very, you know, often very different. The teacher will be planning for different groups of children um, in her in her class um, for that. So that definitely no. Um, And I think that largely has gone um, for those schools who are teaching for mastery. But I think um, that there has been also some more subtle uh, differentiation. I I spoke at a conference um, um, a short while ago. And um, and as I often do, I I spoke to teachers beforehand and asked them what they wanted to get out of um, the conference. And and they said to me, oh, more ideas for our greater depth children was what many of them, that was the most popular um, response. So teachers are still thinking about different groups of children um, within their classroom and and subtly planning for maybe different levels of questioning. This question would be good for my higher retainers or even different follow up tasks, um, you know, that everybody does basically the same follow-up task but there are some additional questions just for those who are at the top of my class who need that bit of extra stretch and I think we have got to the point where actually you know we need to stop thinking about individual groups of children we need to be planning lessons that are accessible to all children and not necessarily need needing to plan I'm thinking about the average teacher who plans um you know, what their time is better spent on is actually planning for really for for a lesson that is a primarily it's accessible to all. And that might mean um, in terms of the starting point, let's get everybody on board at the beginning and then through um, careful scaffolding and breaking down of the mathematics, but at the same time connecting the mathematics um, and building and building and building then actually um, all of their children can achieve through there. So let's let the prime, primary thought not be, what can I do for my higher attainers? What do I need for my lower attainers? What do I need for my middles when I'm planning? Instead be thinking, how can I teach this concept in such a way that actually all children will get it? Um, so I think that, that I think we're, we're ready for that, for that shift 
um, now as we move forward. You know, we're, we're still developing teaching for mastery um, in our schools, but I think we are ready for that shift. And indeed, I think what's encouraged me is that I have been into schools and I have seen it happening um, in there. Um, and isn't it much better that a teacher spends a time on planning a really good lesson in which to develop the concept rather than thinking of activity basis or this activity for them and this activity for them rather than concept base let's build a concept for all children but in these classrooms that you're seeing it in how are teachers keeping those kids that are getting things quicker how are they keeping them from getting bored that would be my worry yeah i think it, i think that word bored um it's often overused I've, I've never seen any children getting bored when there's been a really good high quality teaching for mastery lesson i remember one teacher saying to me um a parent came in and said oh my child's very bright um, and he's getting bored in your lessons and then the teacher responded well he can't be both he can't be bright and getting bored because i am stimulating all children to think really deeply about the mathematics and to make connections and if he is doing that then he will not be getting bored so i think it's the it's the way we teach for mastery it's very much concept based we're looking at the heart of um of of, of what a concept is and we're helping children to build that and so also this ping pong approach we're not giving everything away at the beginning so it's not that everybody's got everything in the first lesson and therefore the next 10 lessons are relevant to them we haven't taught everything in the in the first lesson but what we have taught we've taught it to depth and we've stimulated that thought and they're looking forward to the next lesson because there's going to be a connection to be made i remember one one teacher talking about um, a child in their class who for want of a better word we describe as bright and and she actually said to her teacher one day, I've realised, Mrs Smith, that actually I need to be concentrating for the whole time in this lesson, because although sometimes I find it easy, I know there's going to be a point at which you're going to uh, at which I really need to have connected this mathematics um, and, and really gone deep um, with it. So it's about everybody concentrating and whether or not they find it easy is irrelevant. Um, you know, a teacher spoke to me recently about um, she'd, she'd used the NCTM materials, which she, she looked at the slides and she thought, gosh, these are really, if there's loads of slides, oh, and it goes on for weeks. She said, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. And, and she's been teaching for 30 years and she went with it. And the children were actually saying, Oh, maths is easy. I'm brilliant at maths. I'm a genius. They all came out thinking they were geniuses. And actually, they are. <laughs> but they weren't saying, oh, it's easy, miss, and we're bored. They were saying, it's easy, and I'm getting it. And they were confident um, um, with it. And that was just, you know, really building their self-esteem. Where teaching for mastery happens well, I've never seen a child say, oh, I'm bored, because it's really fascinating and they're wanting to know more and they're not complaining about it being easy. Um, I think we've got a bit of a culture in this country that unless it's hard, then they're not learning. You know, if you if a if a teacher is a really good teacher, the children may well find it easy, 
because she's exposing and unpacking that mathematics and providing that access in which they say, oh, wow, I get it. I wonder if it's a shift in mindset and what we've been doing in the past is providing things to keep bright children busy rather than yes. keeping them stimulated. It is. If they yeah. feel busy, they feel like they're getting ahead or doing well and that's good enough for them and rather than actually learning conceptually. I think you're absolutely right. I think it is about what has been about keeping them um, busy. Um, and so this is a different style of teaching, which will really, as I said, going deep and building concepts. Um, uh, I mean, for some children, they've had to get used to that because, you know, pre when they previously experienced and they had extra special work, um, you know, the the um, the um, chili level or whatever they used to call it. <laughs> and um, and 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 they've possibly gone home to their parents and said, I'm not getting that anymore. And their parents have panicked and, um, and said, oh, dear, what, what on earth is going on? But actually, they, they've never learned as deep um, as they have been. You know, a, a, a group of teachers that I was working with recently, um, they did ask me, um, you know, after I demonstrated the lesson, they said, oh, what, where's, what about the greater depth? I said, how much deeper would you want me to go with this concept? <laughs> you know, there is no greater depth. With it. We've been, everybody's been greater depth um, with this concept. They, and, and actually, they've got the fundamentals of this concept, which they're going to keep using for the rest of their mathematical career and beyond. Um, and so, you know, it, it, we need to rethink what we mean by greater depth, I think. Right. And maybe there's a bit of a confusion there with you talking about understanding a com concept at greater depth and then greater depth being like a sort of attainment level that teachers mm. are required to judge children against. Yes. So when you're saying all children should be able to get to greater depth, are you really saying that the outcomes will be that all children in your school will be assessed at that level? Or are you saying something slightly different? So I, I think the expectation should be that all children. So in the classes that I've been to and I've seen this happening, I've seen the whole class get to what I would call greater depth. I think it really if we're talking about greater depth, what we mean is, or what we should be meaning is that they've really nailed at depth is concept. They've looked at it this way, this way, this way, this way, and they've got a really secure understanding um, of that concept or the structures of the mathematics uh, within that concept and how those structures work. And as a result, they're developing fluency in there and the application into problem solving is developing because they've got an understanding um, of that. And I think that's what our aim should be for all children. And actually, it should be the responsibility of the, of the teacher to aim that for all children or you know some children shouldn't be because that's you know the fundamentals some children shouldn't be given second best and not access that and actually there's nothing else that any child needs uh, but to get to the fundamentals of the concept really embed that um, really become fluent with that so that they're then able to connect and their and their progress is built over time um, then so and and that's where the teacher's attention uh, needs to be I think and some people might argue that you know well are we not responding to children's needs in the lesson absolutely you know if we realize that a child is not getting it then we you know possibly bring them out to the board or um, or we have a discussion together as a class but that's that is for all children 
you know, because if you spotted the child is not getting, there's probably a few others as well. So we'll, we'll all talk about it and we'll all think about it. And it's that as a valuable um, time for all children um, to do that. Um, so, so yes, we are addressing these and we're not just railroading through with a script. Um, we are very much this ping pong approach, as we often call it, going back and forth um, uh, between between teacher and children and stimulating that thought um, and helping them to connect. And where they don't quite connect, then we are spotting that. We are continually looking for that. And then we are um, addressing that within the lesson. And even if we don't get to where we planned for in our original lesson plan, don't worry, we'll pick it up again tomorrow. And that is a real cultural shift, I think, isn't it? Because I'm thinking now of previously you wouldn't have wanted little Johnny to be held back by Rose in the corner would you whereas now what you're saying is actually little Johnny's responsible as part of a learning community for explaining to Rose how this concept works and that in turn helps him and his understanding is that is that what yes. you're saying? It is what I'm saying it is it is absolutely um, by children being questioned and you know and, and challenged on their initial understanding it's it's good it's good for everybody really you know you might you might get some better responses um, from some children than others but actually those everybody's hearing those responses and that and their likelihood is they're not always from the same children um you know i when i was in in one of these lessons you know there was there was a child who has um, you know, who's on the SEN register has significant difficulties and he stood up and gave a brilliant explanation and he felt so proud of himself that he was part of that part of that that learning community and they're all expecting that from each other and lots of talk and lots of learning partners and discussion and all of those things that go on um, in the classroom without children being labelled. Children, children, children catch on. They, they know if they're in the bottom group, even if there aren't any groups, so if they know what the expectation of the teacher is. And if the teacher has high expectations of all the children and provides mathematics that is accessible, then actually their, their self-esteem will grow and that will contribute to their learning as well. So that's that was the question I was going to ask you next, actually, is about children whose special needs do uh, affect their ability to learn maths and do make it more difficult for them. Are you really saying that all children can access these lessons or are there some that you feel would need particular help? Yeah so so there might be um, and we are talking about the very small minority there might be a child for example who's on the SEN um, um, register um, and is on the way to getting a statement for example for um, cognitive difficulties um, and and then obviously you know within that situation if, if they're not learning and the teacher needs to be aware of that if they're not learning then obviously they need um, a different program and, and and the child the teacher shouldn't be um, you know embarrassed at that having to take that child out of that lesson um, for maths um, and for them to work on still using teacher for mastery principles but maybe working at a, a separate program I think we need to be realistic particularly as there are children in mainstream schooling who would qualify for a place in a special school. So in a special school, they would get a, a different diet and their, their, their curriculum would be slowed down even further um, uh, in order for them um, to make progress. So we need to look at look at the individual and be realistic and not just take a child who clearly isn't getting it. Um, and I think teaching for mastery really highlights that where there is a real difficulty. 
because you know the majority, very the vast majority, um, are learning, and for some reason there seems to be a blockage with a particular child, and we need to you know have expert help, obviously, to um, as as schools you know um, identify children with with special needs and, um, and and identify what those needs are, and then a um, you know generally funding then comes to to meet those those needs. So I'm not saying. Um, you know that it, it would it would be appropriate for every single child, but I think for the vast majority, far more than we used to have in our bottom group um, in yeah. previous years. Right, um, and I'm also thinking about uh, the proportion of children that have broken schooling, which obviously is most children at the moment with post-COVID. But um, and the, there's always going to be a proportion of children who have broken schooling. And I know that the mastery curriculum builds very much on what went previously. So how would you manage those sort of children in, in your class? Yeah, I think I think one of the strategies um, for them um, is, uh, is the pre-teaching. Um, that we know that's been very um, successful. So they are prepared and, th and they do have additional, when they come back to school and they've missed time, they, they do need additional time of course they will because they, they need to they need to catch up and, and be and get on track with the rest of the class and we need to provide that you know Ofsted talk about yes sometimes you do need to take children out of different lessons and you know you need to handle that carefully but you do need to prioritize and maths is one of those subjects obviously that needs to be um, prioritized um, for children who've missed who've missed time so that you can get them back on track um, and I think um, that that needs to be under the guidance um, of the teacher with an eye on making sure that they are they are making progress in that main lesson. And I think pre-teaching seems to be um, a mechanism for, for doing that. Um, and that seems to have been successful where it's been trialled. Right. OK. And um, I'm just thinking about schools that might be adopting a mastery approach uh, and say you're the teacher of year five or year six uh, and you're your children haven't been through a mastery approach all that way so the gaps are huge would you advocate the same thing there or does it that different approach need to be taken when the gaps are bigger yeah i think i mean we we i think this you know we've been on a journey with teaching for mastery and at the beginning most schools were in that situation um I think why I'm saying is let's just consider the differentiation we have been doing and let's just see if we can take our foot off the pedal on that and, and move into a different phase. But I think a school brand new who've been differentiating in that old style all the way along, now you can't go in with year five and six and, and simply do it. And, and we've never said, you know, do this from day one because it because it would fail. Um, and um, and so and so we, we need to move into that and maybe choose when we're starting a new topic, you know, in those year groups. Well, let's just start with the whole class. And then this one is really continuing. It's very much built on what they needed to have done before. And some children haven't done it and some have. And so let's just, um, you know, maybe have, you know, more differentiation for those uh, types of lessons. But when we are um doing something you know that's 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 brand new um you know such as some of the work in, in shape and space for example um or things like ratio or, or or you know topics that kind of come in new into those year groups then then let's try and 
um, you know, keep them together and let's work at this over time, which is why we've always said for teaching for mastery, put your biggest emphasis on year one, or indeed year one and exception, put your biggest emphasis on, on there, um, because that's where it's going to reap the benefits as we go forward and do what you can for those sort of other year groups. So the, other, the last question I wanted to ask you was about teacher workload, because it seems to me that the workload for having to produce different work for different tables or different groups um, and then doing all the photocopying and stuff necessary for that it is a huge amount of work. Do you think, have you seen this drop teacher workload amongst your, the teachers you're working with? Yeah, I think it, it shifts the teacher workload. It puts the emphasis more on designing the lesson, a lesson that actually builds the concept uh, really well and carefully sequence steps and at the same time connects that concept and children build up. You know, for example, the lessons, you know, some of the lessons that I went into were about multiplication in year two. And um, and when I went in, they were on week six of multiplication in year two. Um, and they just built this up, built and built and built. And the fluency that I saw in the children then and how they were able to really access some really complex structures within multiplication was, was just phenomenal, really. Um, and, and I've seen this in, very in a very disadvantaged school that sticks in my mind particularly. So, yeah, I think it shifts teacher workload onto, onto things that will make the most difference. I think, as we as we said earlier, you know, it's often it's just about busy work. It's about having things, you know, in their book that I can point to and say these are my greater depth children and look at look at what they've got in their book. Um, and, and so I I think very often it is done. It can be done for that for that purpose, and that's not that's not a good reason um, for doing it. Um, so I think, and I think as a concept builds day on day on you know, over a number of weeks, um, that is good for teacher work because they're really into this. They really know what's happening. They really know where the class is and that it's only a small step that they're going to do tomorrow. So they can really focus in, in on that rather than being one ragged. You know, a teacher spoke to me, she's got a, a mixed year group, she's got two year groups in her class and, and, and you know, senior leadership are insisting that she differentiates three ways for each of those year groups. So she's providing six, you know, and she just run ragged with it. You know, she just, you know, printing something off and photocopying it and not really looking at whether the activity is, is purposeful or not. But it would just be, enable her to tick a box to say that she's differentiated for those children without really thinking, do I need to differentiate? Yeah. Um, you know, sc schools have been doing it for the for the sake of it, really, so they can evidence that they're differentiating. But, you know, I think we're probably one of the few countries that do that, you know, that the teacher's job is to teach the child. You know, I, know, I remember a, a pet teacher saying to me, a parent came in and said, my child's very bright. What are you doing for him? I'm teaching him with the rest of the class. <laughs> He's learning <laughs> something new every day. Um, and we're bedding and we're doing, you know, I, I, you know, a teacher cannot teach 30 individuals. Um, but they can meet the needs of 30 individuals um, through a, a carefully sequenced 
teaching that is really well planned, that is accessible to all, that stimulates thought, that enables them to make connections, that enables them to really get these fundamental concepts that's going to enable them to make progress in the future. I'd like to thank Debbie for giving us her time and allowing me to quiz her on the finer points of her thinking about differentiation. If you'd like to know more about Teaching for Mastery or the Mastery CPD programmes available through the Maths Hubs network, then head over to the NCETM website. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, then please do subscribe and share with other teachers. Until next time, goodbye.